By now, you know I'm a big fan of microdosing. We're talking just a touch of THC. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com. Use the code OPIE to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. A guy sits down at a luncheonette counter and says to the waitress, I'd like a bowl of hot chili. She says, I'm sorry, sir. The guy next to you got the last bowl. He looks over, the guy next to him is just about done eating, and the chili bowl's still full. He says, you going to eat that? He says, nah, you want it? He says, yeah. He says, well, help yourself. He says, thanks. Takes the chili and starts eating it. He gets about halfway down, and his fork hits a dead mouse. He's like, uh, uh, he pukes the chili back into the bowl. The other guy says, yeah, that's about as far as I got, too. <laughs> Uh, with that, we say hi to Tim McConnell. You are first on the Facebook. Uh, who else we got? They're slowly coming into the room today. Uh, there's Pat Duffy. What's up, Pat? How are you, brother? Uh, Olivia is checking in, and Scott Watson, and Steve McCann, and Ben Turner. I'm laughing because I just, <laughs> I, you know, I, by now you probably know I, I, I'm making TikTok videos, and, I, you know, I'm having fun with them, and... Uh, <laughs> People out there can't handle anything anymore. I basically said that uh, Johnny Depp looked chubby in the face, and and that made me feel better about myself, especially because uh, over the years I had uh, chicks, girlfriends that all were in love with Johnny Depp. Oh, my God. And to see him uh, a bit on the chubby side, I'm not going to lie to you, makes me, makes me pretty happy. And um, so I posted a quick TikTok video saying just that. It's Opie Radio on TikTok. <laughs> the, women, the women are coming out of, as they say, the woodworks. Or the woodwork, right? You know, plural that? I don't know. What's up, Benjamin Tucker? How are you, brother? Um, but they are out of their mind that I called uh, 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 Johnny Depp uh, chubby. So I've been laughing along uh, with the comments on my TikTok right now. And then one woman called me Amber. She goes, you're an Amber. And I didn't even know what that was. I go, I started laughing because I'm sure it's not good. I go, what, what's, what's an amber? Uh, but she didn't get back to me. So I, I don't know what that's about. But one lady's like, I don't care how fat he gets. He's still so gorgeous. I'm like, all right, dude, Jesus. It's just a dumb, stupid TikTok video. How many times have you had sex? Oh, my goodness. I th- I've had sex... Let's see. I've had sex. Lost my virginity to a girl that uh, had like a hairy mane all the way down from uh, her neck all the way down to her, the crack of her butt. So that was one time. And then, uh, you know, I got two kids. So uh, I've had sex three times. If you need to know the truth. (laughs) Jesus. You lunatics. Anyone else notice? Amber Heard biting her inside lip the whole time during this trial. Weird stuff. What, is she trying to get uh, teary-eyed? There's ways that you could uh, get teary-eyed, and one of them is to bite the inside of your mouth and make it really hurt, and your eyes will start watering. Man, you know, for Easter, I had a Butterfinger. I haven't had a Butterfinger in years. That shit is delicious, but, man, does it do a number on your gums and your teeth. I was pulling Butterfinger out of my teeth like two days later. And, yes, I brushed my teeth. Relax. And with that, I want to say hi to my good friend, Jackie the Joke Man. Here we are. What's going on, brother? Hey. I was talking about you yesterday, my God, with my friend Matt, who owns Gephardt's. I think we've talked about your uh, your weed. My weed? In the attic? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I think we've talked about it, but if you don't want to, that's all right. No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm sending you something right now. Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> I was supposed to hang with you and get steaks this week, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. You know, uh, I don't know how to say it politically correct, so I'm not going to say it. But I called up and ordered 
a steak and told them two and a half inches thick and, you know, pound, pound and a half. Ooh. She picked it up. It was 60 bucks. He gave me a four pound steak. It's like, Ooh. I think it, it still has the, the horns on it. <laughs> so I'll cut that in half and I'll save, I'll save it for you. That's all. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you actually bought it thinking I was coming? No, I bought it thinking I was hungry. Oh, okay, good, good. Because I would have felt, I would have felt bad. I had a, um, I had a fillet roast for for Easter. I blow off that ham crap, and we go right for the steak. So I had a, yeah. nice, I had a nice fillet roast, and oh, it just melted as you were cutting the damn thing. It was, it was beautiful. You know what I did? I finally got off my ass, made an appointment, and went to see the doctor yesterday. And I have an actual date to go in and have my knee replaced. And I am so scared, like a little baby. I'm telling you, I. I am frightened to death. Oh, frightened to death. Why are oh, you frightened? Because everybody says how much it hurts, and I'm not a fan of pain. Oh, I thought you were frightened because of what happened to Joan Rivers. <laughs> what? She got lucky. She got lucky. She got. She had an exit stage left there. Yeah. Oh, my God. She went I'm the... not going down. Didn't she go in for a facelift? No, of course, but I mean, she went under and she never came back. I thought you were worried about that because you know we get a little older, and you know you start worrying. Speak about for yourself. Get a little older. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Hey, by the way, I can't stand how old I am. Holy Jesus! I want to go back to the pot thing. I know. Look, I, I'll say this. Uh, you can ask. You can ask me anything. I was only kidding around. Okay, so when I was uh, at your house, I still talk about it to this day. You were giving me a tour of your house. It's beautiful. It's, it overlooks the Long Island Sound. Then you got a, one of those garages that you that you made into joke land, so it's, it's separate from the house. And you got a little garden. You got outdoor showers. Beautiful uh, piece of land, and you're right there, right on the shore. You can take walks and swim in the sound. But then uh, you're like, I got to show you one more thing. I'm like, one more thing? What else could he possibly have after this tour? <laughs> You know? Walking up these uh, rickety old stairs because your house is like uh, it's an older house. I mean, I, I would bet it's well over a hundred years old, right? Well, it was built in 1925, but every house in Bayville was built and then rebuilt and rebuilt. It, the house has probably been there for hundreds of years, and each time yeah. they reinforce it, and make it a little bigger because any place along the water, of course, is going to have something on it. Of course, but th this actual structure is listed in Bay when I, I think it's when they first started keeping records okay. as nine as nineteen twenty. So walking up these stairs, I mean they're tight, they're steep, narrow. We turn the corner, we get into your attic. It's one of these attics like this, you know. And uh I, I there's no other way to say it. It was filled with trees. Like filled with trees. You know, it's so funny because I've been growing pot since like nineteen ninety nine, I think was the first crop or or 2000 and you know you get we got better at it and better at it and then i moved here and then i found a little spot that i got such a weird spot it's a, it's legal now but it in this big house it's it's i mean this big property i mean it's a it's a suburban property in the little town of bayville but there's like a nowheres man place like between the garage and the overgrown bushes and the neighbor had a big side of his house had no windows right it was it was a blind spot on the property where i and each year i expanded a little more expanded a little more and now i've like uh in fact my gardener got, friend is coming over today because my knee is too shot to do any digging so i gotta <laughs> have his guys turn over the soil you know i used to do the whole thing where i started plants and got them going blah 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 but if you start plants and grow them and take care of them and build them up blah 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 and then on May 1st, you just throw seeds in the ground when it's, and then you go and transplant the plants that you painstakingly grew Yeah. next, next to the what place where you threw the seeds in a month. You can't tell which was which because, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, because there's a long delay from the shock of transplant. It's transplant shock. So by the time they get going, these like, whoo. You know, yeah, like turtle in the hair. So I, I think I want to go down that road. I because I'm I'm really starting to enjoy like gardening, uh, which which is showing my age. I mean, last last birthday I got uh, a tomato planter, a hammock, and and a bird feeder. So yeah, what what happened to Playboy and condoms? <laughs> you know, I used it's to, all over. 
I used to be this shock jock and I get these presents for my birthday and it could have been my favorite presents of all time. So I've, been, I've been growing uh, tomatoes for the last three or four summers and I love it. I, and I do different, uh, you know, different uh, types of tomatoes and whatnot. And I feel like I could, I could grow pot next. Not that I'm a big pothead because it, I'm is, a it is so ridiculously easy because it's a weed. You right. cannot kill. You know, it's so funny. My girlfriend's sister had some friends over. And I guess they smoked a couple joints and she just threw the roaches in her garden. Yeah. And the other night we're over there. She said, you know, some pot grew in my backyard and totally by accident. They were female plants and the buds are in. It's the greatest pot in the world that happened totally by accident. Right. In her backyard. I mean, that's just how it goes. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it, and it's so fun, you know the the whole thing. I love explaining to people about the male and female plants. Do you know that whole thing yet? No, I don't know nothing. I just oh, uh, you know what we'll do? We'll do a podcast. Okay. You come here and interview me, and I'll teach you about the ins and outs of it because it's all sexual and it's so funny Ooh. and it makes such sense. And at first you're like, "That's crazy," and then like. Of course it's not crazy. There's a cow and there's a bull. If there's not a cow and a bull, you're not going to have any more cows and bulls. All right, you piqued my interest. We can't wait. You got you to explain why growing pot is sexual. There are male plants and there are female plants. Right. And when you grow the pot, the female plants have buds. And they get sticky. Yeah, they do. And, and what's sticky, yeah, they do. the stickiness is the THC, okay. which is there to catch the pollen. And the male plants grow, and they have they have balls. They literally have balls, and at some point they burst. The pollen goes into the air, and the female plants with the sticky THC catches the pollen, and then they go to creating seeds. Just like you know, a woman gets older and flirts with a man, and then next time winds up with a husband. Next thing you know, she's pregnant, and there all of her efforts go into raising her children. Yeah. Okay. Now you what you got to do is you got to get rid of all the males. You got to painstakingly get rid of all the males, and then the girls literally get hornier and hornier, and the buds get bigger and stickier. Yeah, they do. And more THC, <laughs> and, and it's totally sexual. It's like you you starve the women of male companionship, and they get stickier and hornier. It, it sounds <laughs> like, and I am not making it up. It is absolutely true. It's so funny. Yeah, and when I tell people, they don't believe a word. They don't believe a word, but it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. <laughs> we have to do a whole, uh, yeah, we have to do a whole episode when I'm having steaks in your house. We'll, we'll do a pot episode for sure. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, the greatest place to get seeds is ilgm.com. It's I love growing marijuana.com, and they sell all kinds of seeds. Right, I think from California. But you buy feminized seeds. Those are seeds that when you plant them, you know you're going to get a female plant. So you don't have to worry about them getting knocked up. It only takes one little tiny male plant to wreck the whole harvest. It's just, it's <laughs> it's so fun. I can't, I can't explain to you how much fun it is. You we, know? Uh, we obviously know that. <laughs> Humans do the exact <laughs> same thing. So, um, And what's really funny is I have an attic full of weed. And I, I, I smoked like two joints this whole year. I keep giving, the more I give away, the more I have. I can't give it away fast enough. So if well, you know anybody that wants some pot, bring them with you. Uh, I know Matt from Get Parts would appreciate it. And he just had a baby. So, uh, you know, send away. But uh, no, no, I don't want any babies smoking my pot. <laughs> but I brought that up knowing you're not dealing it or anything like that, but it's obvious that you enjoy just growing the, you know, the whole I love growing it. it. I have never, I have never sold not even one joint of it because to right. me that kills the whole karma of it. You know, I've had so much of it stolen. You know, it's funny because I went through years where uh, a couple of years where so much got stolen, but then those kids actually grew up and got married and moved out of town. And here I'm a thousand years old, still growing pot. <laughs> it's so funny. Hey, before we go any further, yeah. 7 p.m. April 30th, Saturday night, me and Peter Bales are doing a show at the Brokerage, which is my favorite show of the year. So please come out to check us out. Peter Bales, we started together 40 years ago and we're doing a podcast together. 
and he's also a history professor. And All he's right. so fun. And he and I just, you know, I'm I'm so rude to him on the show. It's terrific. <laughs> That's good. I, I might be in town. Maybe I'll uh take a little ride and, and check it out. Uh, I'm just relieved you're not uh, sending me a uh, pot in the mail anymore there, uh, Jackie. I just mailed some today. You Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> I know you're not lying. No, I, I just wrote pot on the outside. There, well, you've got to wrap it better because uh, my mail goes through a whole thing because I live in this building, you know. And then, no, I didn't send you any more pot. Relax. And the guys, oh, well, the guys, the last time, they're like, Tell your friend to wrap this better because they're all like, what? The, this thing stinks. You know, well, I don't have my apartment anymore, but I used to pull it into, into the underground garage. And those guys would fight to park my car because when they jumped in, it was like it was a, a envelope of smoke. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, uh, and why I brought it up. Isn't it amazing how far we've con come, excuse me, with the, the, uh, the pop culture? Uh, the pot culture? Sorry. I was, uh, I I'm trying to get some of these people on the big screen. We come from a time where it was very illegal and guys went away. No, but no, 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 no. You do. In 1967, when I was in college at Michigan State. What, what the? In, when I, you know, with me, it wasn't how old were you when you started smoking pot. Yeah. It was where were you in 1967? I never smoked a joint of pot until I was a sophomore in college. Yeah. That was 1967. But in 1967 in Ann Arbor, Michigan, the University of Michigan, if you got caught smoking pot on the street, it was a $15 ticket, which was the equivalent of a parking ticket. With this close to legalization, I thought we'd never have to give it another thought. So I got drunk for a couple of decades. And then one day I came out of my haze and I said, what do you mean it's still against the law? It's a it went backwards. It went completely backwards, you know, and there's people in jail for selling pie. It's Well, they got to be frustrated because those guys went away for a long time. And now one of my sponsors on the podcast, they will mail it to you in the mail in gummy form. It's like, that's how far we've come. And it's, and it's totally legal. I guess there's a certain amount that you could actually send uh, through the mail. Right. And you're, you know, it's so weird because it's so vague because I think you're allowed to have six plants. Right. You take it from a pot farmer. Six plants can be this big, or it could be six trees. You know, right. it's nobody can. You know, in the before, like ten years or fifteen years ago, I live on the North Shore of, of Long Island in Bayville, and the richest people in the world are on Center Island. Yeah. And I here I got this patch of pot, and so many helicopters went over, and I always thought that it was going to be police looking down, and they could have a computer that has a pot leaf and it could zoom in and find my pot sure. i mean it was just the rich people you know it's billy joel going home from manhattan you know yeah 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 that center island is pretty crazy it's a, it's its own little community with a little bridge and uh god knows what goes on on that island man all right this is obviously a perfect place to talk about microdose.com use the code opie to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. You know what microdosing is, right? It's just a touch of THC and a lot of CBD. The CBD chills you out, allows you to enjoy the moment. It helps with sleep. It helps with pain. It helps with anxiety. Also, uh, workout and recovery. And then you get a little touch of the THC. And I got to tell you, that helps to give me a creative boost. By the way, I took one just before I turned on the live stream today. Oh, yeah. One toke over the line, sweet Jesus. One toke over the line. For real, if you search around a bit on the internet, you're going to find all sorts of people microdosing to feel healthier and perform better. I like that it's giving me a good night's sleep. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. I like the taste. I like how it makes me feel. Gets me in the zone for some of these live streams. And also helps me with sleep at night. I want to stress that. I like that because I'm a terrible sleeper. And I'm more creative, but that's up to you to decide. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online. Or you could do this. Go to microdose.com. Use the code OPIE, O-P-I-E. To get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Once again, microdose.com. Use the code OPIE 
to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Matter of fact, I just put in my second order. I should be receiving that within a day or two. And we got links that can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com. Use the code OPI, O-P-I-E, to get that 30% off your first order. Oh, and the free shipping. <laughs> a girl calls the doctor. She says, Doc, I got diarrhea. Can I take a bath? He says, if you got enough. <laughs> I think you got a president uh, buried uh, near you, right? President Theodore Roosevelt, yes. Yeah, he- we did recently find out that our DNA didn't match. I, I was pretty sure that he was a relative, but that's wait. a whole nother long story. No, you, you, wait a minute. This is an update because we talked about it on the podcast. All these years you were convinced that you could very easily be related to the guy. And, and, and finally they allowed to, uh, uh, you were allowed to get some of their DNA to see. If no, was- it's, it's so interesting. Thomas Jefferson had sex <clears throat> with Sally Hemings. Right. One of his slaves. And she had kids and her kids had kids and her kids had kids, but they could never really prove it. They knew it, but they couldn't prove it. The, 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 these black kids had red hair and Jefferson had red hair. And it was like, you know, a whole thing. But Jefferson didn't have any brothers or sisters and his father didn't have any brothers or sisters, whatever. But we found out what they did was they went back to his grandfather and his grandfather's brother. And his grandfather's brother had kids and kids. And that's the DNA they took to match up to prove that Sally Hemings and her kids were related. So that's what my guy did. He went all the way back to Theodore Roosevelt's father's brother and his line coming down because it's all the same DNA. You have the same DNA as your father, your grandfather. Sure. And chased the guy all the way to William Emlyn Roosevelt in Plano's, Texas. And he was like, yeah, hell yeah, you can have my DNA and <laughs> no cigar, you know, literally. <laughs> but that's assuming that nobody fooled around along the way. You should see the letters. You should see the letters. When Theodore Roosevelt was vice president, McKinley got shot. Yeah. He lived, I think, five days or a week or something, and then he died. So yeah. Roosevelt had the race to Washington, D.C. to become president of the United States. Now, my great-grandfather is running Sagamore Hill. He works for Roosevelt, but he was his pal. I, I'm telling you right now, they were half-brothers. And Roosevelt wrote to him and said, come to Washington. I have a job for you. And you could tell it was my relative. He wrote back, uh, Mr. President, thank you. I would love to come, but I can't come right away. I can come in a month. <laughs> Who else? Who else but my relative would put the president, the brand new president of the United States on hold? Like, yeah. I'll, get, I'll get there when I can. He's taking over the reins of the United States. That's after awesome. the but I have this in, in writing, the, like right. the letter, the typed letter to my great grandfather. But Roosevelt typed it. I want to move on to Gilbert Gottfried. You knew him pretty well. Yeah, for like, uh, like over 35 years, I knew him. We weren't really bosom buddies. But I'll tell you, the two of us made each other laugh harder than any two people I've ever watched because he loved my jokes or the jokes I told, and I loved the jokes he told. And we would scream. The couple podcasts I did with him on Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, people say they go back and listen to him over and over because we just would kill each other, you know. And uh, I, I, I would send them to the ground sometimes. I remember one time at some film festival, I told him some disgusting joke, and he fell right in the mud. Yeah, what a talent. And uh, the appearances he did on the Howard Stern Show were just absolutely legendary. And then uh, without going into the mud, but it has to be said, I, you know, I'm doing a radio show, and, and I'm trying to find really interesting, funny people. And we tried to get Gilbert on the show forever, and he was loyal to Howard. There was also rumors that there were people that uh, were told not to go on our show. Um, but anyway, long story. Are you are you talking about your show back, Opie and Anthony? Yeah, Opie and Anthony. Yeah. Um, oh, I I would not be surprised. You know, I told you that whole thing about when when I first met him, uh, he was so pissed off because NBC told him that he couldn't talk about Imus. That Imus said, "I don't want that new guy talking about me." Right. And he was so pissed off, and then twenty years later. He tells Mel from K-Rock that uh, he doesn't want Opie and Anthony talking about him. I'm like, it's a, a nice. complete 
complete 180, you know. Thank you for thank you for saying that cuz more people need to hear that cuz it was unbelievable. Like he would be so brave and cocky on his show and then behind the scenes we were getting yelled at by management and and then we weren't allowed to fight back so then we Well, were... you know, if you if you're at the top of the mountain, right. Then it's then people can just throw rocks at you. It's very yeah. easy. So Imus is on the top of the mountain and he's throwing crap yeah. at him. But once yeah. he's on top of the mountain, yeah. Even when people throw, you know, I I became uh, pretty good friends with Imus, and he loved that me and Anthony took on Howard. He th found it so funny because he knew Howard couldn't take it, <laughs> and it, it made me just so happy. But back to the Gilbert thing. So I try to get him on um, our show, obviously, and uh, I knew that Gilbert Gottfried was absolutely amazing to have on a radio show because he. He had no line, and he didn't care, and he had balls of steel, man. He didn't care who he was going to piss off, and he was just beyond funny on top of that. We couldn't get him on. Then Howard decides to reinvent himself. He's going down a new path, so he gets rid of a lot of these guys that were great on his show, and one of them was Gilbert. He threw him out I, at the I never, I, I never listened to his show, and I could care less about it. To me, why would somebody shoot themselves in the foot like that? Because he was so good on the show. But I guess he's just so rich and powerful, he didn't care. Somebody told me that, that you know, here I'm talking out of school because I don't know. But somebody said, Beth didn't like the way Gilbert sounded on the radio. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would hate to think that that had anything. I mean... No, but Gary said he'd book Gilbert, and Gilbert would come to the door, and he wouldn't come in unless Gary had breakfast waiting for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, was so legendary cheap, yeah. which was so fun, so no, funny. Gilbert was legendary, but my point is when Howard basically threw him out, never really gave him an explanation, and then pretty much stopped playing his appearances on his channels, that opened the door for Gilbert, Gilbert to start doing our show. So, I, you know, and then we got to do, you know, he was on our show maybe six times, eight times, something like that. But every time he was on, he was unbelievable. Oh, he's, you know, he's just out of his mind. He was a home run. You know, we, he'd sit there like he'd do Drac <coughs> Dracula or one of those characters. Yeah. And if I wrote something for him and ran around behind him and handed it to him and he did one of my lines, I, I just, I'd get so excited, you know. Yeah, of course. It's been a crazy year for the comedians, man. Bob Saget, uh, Louis Anderson, Norm MacDonald, and now Gilbert Gottfried. And all these guys that are dying are five or ten years younger than me. I'm freaked <laughs> out. Thank, thank God I'm not that important. God, you know, God only takes the good, you know. The, right, right. Uh, us, us, well, not us, I won't include you, but lowlifes like me, well, you know, we're like cockroaches. We're going to be around forever, you know. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I've been checking out your TikTok, man. Uh I think TikTok's made for you. You know those one-liner jokes. It's a lost, uh, it's a lost art form, and uh, <laughs> kind of cool that to see it on TikTok because no one's doing it. And I, I think it's, I think it's time that it comes back a little bit. You know, I don't know if nobody's doing it or whether me and you just don't know about it because I don't go on TikTok. I wouldn't know. You know, I, I don't know if there's naked girls. I don't know if there's old men. I don't know if there's people trolling for other. Other guys, I don't, you know, I don't know anything about it except that it's very easy to load on the jokes, and TikTok, people seem to like them. You know, TikTok is made for the hot chick, and she doesn't have to do anything except uh, walk into the camera frame with some top on with no bra, and she gets a hundred and twenty-five thousand likes. And like I said the other day, I'm I'm like writing little video scripts. <laughs> editing i'm putting music i'm doing all this crap and i get 128 views it's the obvious thing i really should do a few tiktok videos with with some girls and they're not naked they're just like jiggly you know no they're just they're jiggly and 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 they just get insane views on their stuff it's it's so it's so frustrating i'm, I'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> like, well you know that that's uh that's why there's horse races you know <laughs> Exactly. Adam, Adam should have never given up that rib. Uh, Radio Gunk, who does a lot of Howard stuff, um, they want me and you on their podcast. We should do it together. Melinda, Michelle. I forgot her name, but she's, uh, she's. I mean, she's been cool to me. I'm sure she's taking her shots, but in general. No, she's, she's great. She's really smart. She actually came to my show on Broadway uh, 
and I think they, I think they uh, like to call out Howard on a lot of his stuff. And uh, she's saying that um, that Howard's a grandpa now, but he doesn't want anyone to know that or something. If that's true, congratulations. And what's wrong with that? To quote my old friend Richard Belzer, physical science has yet to come up with a unit of measurement that could express how little I give a shit. <laughs> That's great. I guess what so, she's try, trying to say. He's a grandfather. Does that mean Beth had a baby? <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! Jesus, dude, what's wrong with you? That's a good shot. That was a good shot. I think. Uh, I think basically what she's trying to say is that you know, for whatever reason, Howard doesn't want people to know that he's a grandpa. But I mean, he's got to be. No, I'm sure he just doesn't want people to chase down his daughters and take. Pictures yeah, I, I, no, I get. I mean, it. I don't know anything, but you know. Come on, you do the math. If a guy's been around forty years, he's not twenty-five years old. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I don't like Howard at all, but that seems like a nice thing for that family. So, congratulations. What, what, yeah, you know, absolutely. Anything with that? <laughs> a guy gives his mother-in-law a cemetery plot for her birthday. The next year on her birthday, he doesn't get her anything. She says, "Why didn't you get me a birthday present this year?" He says, you never used the one I got you last year. <laughs> the receptionist says, doctor, the guy you just examined dropped dead on his way out the door. The doctor says, well, turn him around so it looks like he dropped dead on his way in. <laughs> Me and Bales are doing this thing called stand-up memories. We've done 20 shows without any guests. We're That's just awesome. talking about the old days. And he does, right. he's, a, he's, a, he's a history professor. So we wind in some history and some Theodore Roosevelt and some Long Island and some New York City. Do me one favor. Give me one really good story that you told on that podcast. Well, you know, a lot of stories about the early days of, of comedy. You know, uh, one of the first ones we told was, of course, an Eddie Murphy story because... Uh, I put out an album called Hot Dogs and Donuts, right? A, a DVD, and the story of that is so funny because my previous DVD CD CD was called Sergeant Pecker, and after a couple months, Nancy called me and said, "Jackie, they're not going to sell Sergeant Pecker anymore because the little old ladies in Omaha that work for West Telemarketing won't say Pecker," and I'm like. That's the guy's that David Pecker owns the National yeah. Enquirer. A chicken has a pecker on his face. Right. But they but so I had to go on and say, Howard, please announce that Sergeant Pecker is not going to be available. We sold fifteen thousand CDs in one day. So the next CD I made, I called Hot Dogs and Donuts. Yeah. So if I figured if you can make a dick and a hole out of that, that's <laughs> that's your own creation. That's not me. So I'm promoting <laughs> hot dogs and donuts. Yeah. And my friend Gail Paranto is getting me booked everywhere. I actually sat with Bill O'Reilly. You know, all he wanted to do was talk about Howard, of course. And he was so mad that he wasn't Howard because he thought he should be. Bill O'Reilly's an asshole. And I, and oh, I, please. And I was I went on Geraldo had a show at that time. I went I went on so I went on politically incorrect. Right. And Bill Maher gave me this glowing review as I he introduced me and this is the funniest CD this guy knows every joke blah 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 <clears throat> and, and I went on politically incorrect and I was on with Lou Diamond Phillips and Alan Thick and you know and it was just really fun and I I don't know anything but I'm all right I'm light on my feet. We got done and I and I said Bill that was an incredible review you gave my C D and I know you didn't even take it out of the plastic. <laughs> yeah. Why why were you so wonderful about it he said it's the least i could do for the guy who gave me a ride home from my first out-of-town gig oh shit so i didn't know this <clears throat> so i back timed it <clears throat> we used to work at a place called the jade fountain which was a chinese restaurant way out on route 17 in new jersey and me and this guy dave hawthorne who'd been around forever he was partners with billy crystal in 1971 at nassau community college you know, Jesus. there was a there was a three man group <clears throat> called Three's Company. It was Alfinelli, Dave Hawthorne, and Billy Crystal. And then somebody said, "Billy, you're going to be really big time, but you got to lose the other two guys." So me and Hawthorne meet at Richard M. Dixon's White House Inn, 
and we pick up Eddie Murphy and his friend, his best friend, Clint Smith, and we drive to the Jade Fountain in the middle of nowhere, and we do the show, and uh, Bill Maher needed a ride home. So we're driving home through the city, and he lived on the west side, and Hawthorne's old car, we're going over the cobblestones, and the muffler fell. <laughs> and it's the winter. So yeah. I, I'm under the car, and I tied, this is absolutely true, I tied up the muffler with a guitar string. Wow. Now it's freezing cold, but the muffler is red hot and I'm tying it up and we drop off Bill Maher. And I never thought about it until the day he said, the guy who gave me a ride home, blah, blah, blah. we're riding home on the Southern state on our way to Roosevelt to drop off Eddie and Clint. And the muffler falls out again. Now, you know, the Southern state ah, has, a, has a, as a shoulder like this. It's yeah. not, it's a shoulder like the cars. A, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm underneath the car trying to tie up the muffler again with a guitar string, and Eddie and Clint are in the back seat breaking balls, <laughs> making fun of Dave's car. You're right. And, and forget about the fact he's nice enough to give them a ride. They're breaking his balls. I'm under there tying it up. When we got – this came up on the Stern Show all the time. When we got to Roosevelt, Eddie's street was a little bit cut up because they were working on it, and Hawthorne – made those guys get out at the end of the street and they had to walk a couple hundred yards to Eddie's house. And the story was always, if Hawthorne had driven that extra couple hundred yards, we'd all be in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. So we dropped Eddie off and that, and that was that. And it was, uh, it was always funny. And so funny because years later, Clint Smith is a great guy. He's back living on Long Island. And he called me like a year ago. And I said, you know, it's so funny, Clint, because we've been telling these stories and the stories come back to light. I said, but NHS, you remember the time that you and Eddie were in the car with me and Hawthorne? And before I even say anything, are you kidding? We laugh at that all? We've been laughing about that for 40 years. I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ. That's so hysterical. You know? and, and Eddie was probably, what, a teenager, right? 18, 19? Yeah, no, he was so young. He was so yeah. like 17 or something. When I first went to Dixon's, when he started, he used to just do word for word. Uh, recite Richard Pryor albums, but it didn't matter because then after a certain amount of time, he just unplugged the Richard Pryor and plugged in the Eddie Murphy. Sure. Well, he, here's he my... was always so, and the word is not, he was cocky, but it was a different cocky. He was so ridiculously confident that it just made you crazy. He, I mean, the first time at Dixon's, he'd say, yeah, man, I'm going to be bigger than the Beatles. Right. I'm gonna be, I mean, bigger than the Beatles. I'm like three years later, he was bigger than the Beatles. It was like, holy that's, Christmas. That's my question. When you first saw him. No, no, it never, it never, I never looked at him and said, wow, that guy. Okay, that that was, all right, you beat me to the actual question. But, right. but you never know. You know, I, I was recording my second album, Going Ape, at the Eastside Comedy Club, and I had the microphones hanging up, and I'm ready to go, and Eddie was on the show. And he came out and said, Jack, you make another album? And I said, yeah. He said, I want to have an album. And I said, I'd love to help you, Eddie, but I'm too busy. <laughs> Imagine if I said, you know, when I'm done with mine, why don't we do one for you? Uh, Eddie, Eddie, he was always a really, really nice guy. And we all, in those early days, we all had so much fun. You know, yeah. the gang, the, the whole gang was, uh, they're all great, you know. Very, very cool. Well, <clears throat> I think we, uh, I think we pretty much did it there, Jackie. You're sick of me already, you son of a bitch. I'm not sick of you. I'm not, you know, you want to keep talking. All right, all right, I'll hit you with this. Can no, you, I'm done. I'm well, done. Get, no, no, you, you challenged me, so now we're gonna do this. I was, gonna, I was gonna be nice, but now we're gonna do this. Give me one good uh, Howard story or one good story from your years on the Howard Stern show that you barely told, because I guarantee you've probably told every story by now, but one that. You really have never really told or one that you haven't really talked about in a while. My favorite by far, and, and you don't have to retell it because my, my audience knows it well at this point, but the popcorn story, oh, my God, getting the tins of popcorn for Christmas, thinking there was a check inside makes me laugh. Some, sometimes I'll just be minding my own business and, and not doing any of this type of crap, right? And it'll just pop in my head. It's, you know... It's so fun. And, you know, I'm sure he just, in his defense, and I hate to be, I'm sure he just said, Allison, take care of getting something for the guys. You know well, what I mean? 
no, me and Carl saw it a totally different way. You know, my friend Carl's no longer with us, and it kills me to this day. But me and Carl broke down that story, and we're convinced that, simply put, Howard didn't give a fuck about you guys. No! <clears throat> no, not even a little, you know. Here's some popcorn. Here's a tin of popcorn. No, but the, the thing is, Allison bought them. You know what yeah. I mean? He probably said, take a few dollars, go. And she went to some nice boutique place, and they wrote the name nice on the, you know. Right. Now, do you know the companion story? I'm sure I told it to you. About the, the camera? Yeah, yeah, I got the yeah. camera story, too. Oh, that, and that was... When you got a brand new camera, I'll just do the quick version. You guys also got cameras, and then you notice that it didn't really come with any packaging. <laughs> no, no, what it, it came, it was a camera in a box, but there was no case. Right. And I said, and I said to somebody, "How could they give you a camera without a case?" And no, no, yeah. no, the cameras always have a case. Oh, unless you got one of those promotional. Cameras. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh boy, the bong, you know, which is just so great. I, I you know. I think, oh, great. I, that, that's funny. My friend still can't believe that he called me cheap. You know, I look at these pictures of mountains of lobsters and the whole Stern crew partying and dancing and going wild, you know. Yeah. And I was cheap, you know. <clears throat> you do know, well, I'm sure I told you this already. Come on, let's go. Well, me, me, me and Nancy would never plan. And we always wound up going to, to not shingles, what's it called? Uh, sandals. Awesome. <clears throat> That'd be the only places because everything would be booked up and we never book anything. <clears throat> and one year I called, I became friends with the guy who was the general manager in Florida. And I called up and said, listen, Dave, can you help us out? We're looking for a place. And he called me back and said, listen, I'm really good friends with uh, Gloria, what Gloria Estefan, her husband, Emilio, maybe. And uh, they're going to be away and they'll rent you uh, their place if you want. And I'm like, that's great, you know. I called a friend for a favor. I didn't call him for a freebie. I called him, can you help us find a place? Because I'd done stuff for him. So they rent us this place for a week or whatever it was. And then Howard gets word that me and Nancy stayed at this place that the, uh, the general manager of the Florida station found for us. And, you know, that's, that was me using his connections and his station and his friends, and how dare I, blah, blah, blah. And he went on and on about how I beat the guy up and got this free room and went on and on and on. And after he got done with his whole rant, I said, well, now that you're done, I would just like to say we paid for the room. Yeah. To this day, I, they say that they rerun that all the time, and they cut out the part where I said we paid for the room. Oh. So I hear all the time, pay for your hotel room. Pay Rodney back the money you owe him. You know, in my book, it explains the whole thing of this, this malarkey about the Rodney. Right. And I, I understand the that it's good radio. But the fact that it's 20 years later, I got people saying, Jackie, pay Rodney, you cheap bastard. And, and he, I don't, I never owed him anything. Yeah, and, that, and that's not even a real story. I, he just, uh, yeah, he cut it up to make it funnier or, or more. Well, what, what happened was the whole thing hedged on Rodney saying, I don't know if, I don't know anything about paying for jokes, pay, paying paying anybody with jokes. And meanwhile, there's not a comic in Manhattan that hadn't sold Rodney jokes for fifty dollars. Sure. Which so it was like patently absurd that he said that. But no comic's going to come on a big radio station and say, "Yeah, I buy a lot of jokes. Of course, I buy jokes." You know, one connection to Magic Johnson was we were on his show. You, you know about that? I don't know. Do I? Oh, now there's a story. All right, let's go. We can finish with this. Magic Johnson had a late night show. It was terrible. And he would do a monologue. Right. And it was horrible. And every day, Howard would have Gary bring him the monologue. He spent endless amounts of time just ripping, ripping, ripping to shreds Magic Johnson's monologue. So Gary comes in one day and says, Howard, I don't know how to tell you this, but Magic Johnson wants you to come on his show. <laughs> so... <laughs> So Howard gives me and Fred the assignment. He says, you guys, uh, you guys need to come up with a demand for us that there's no way Magic Johnson will do. And this way I can get out of going on the show. So me and Fred come up with the ridiculous idea. At the time, we had a band called The Losers. 
Sure. And because Howard's whole premise was, why do all these people, Keanu Reeves and the guy from the Buffalo Bills, all these guys want to have their band. But everybody that's in a band wants to sing, and every singer wants to be on the radio. Everybody wants to do it. This guy wants to be a Tony Bennett wants to paint pictures. Everybody, you know, it's creative craziness. But he couldn't comprehend that. So he's like, I, any idiot can have a band. So we had a band. And I actually named us. We were called The Losers. And Scott, the engineer, played drums, and Howard played keyboard, and I played guitar or bass, and Fred played guitar or bass. We played a song with James Brown. We played a song with Willie Nelson. I had the videotape of it. It's priceless. And when we played with James Brown, Gary played the trumpet. And he hadn't played it since third grade. It is beyond priceless, right? So Magic, me and Fred come up with the idea that Howard will do the Magic Johnson show if the losers can come on his show and play Wipeout only when it gets the, you know the song Wipeout, the right. drum solo in between each verse. Yeah. Only instead of drum solo, we're going to have people fart. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And Gary comes in and says, Howard, he said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we flew out to California. First class got put up, and Howard's on the show. And then Scott's playing drums, and I think I was playing bass. Fred's playing guitar, and Howard's playing keyboards. And a guy and a girl are on their knees with microphones and when it got to the breaks they're farting you, you, <laughs> this is on i think channel seven whatever it was like, right. i remember drew carey was in the front every it was the hottest ticket in hollywood because nobody could believe it yeah now i that's gotta exist on the internet right i i don't know for i've never I, I looked it's out there somewhere i i've never heard of this before um, you never heard of that it was one of the clips Howard likes to think that anyone that was successful in radio had to have listened to him and get, get all their ideas from him. And the fact is, I didn't really listen to him that much. I was too busy trying to start my own career. And I was, uh, you know, I was away from New York, in, in Western New York, in Buffalo and Rochester and whatnot. So I don't really, I truly don't really know a lot about the, the Howard. And story. what's really funny is you get to know people. And I've gotten to know people. And I met the guy from Chicago. Somebody used to actually send tapes what was the guy's name in chicago there was a there was a guy there were two chicago guys that howard absolutely ripped off one of them was steve doll and i forgot yeah, the steve doll and gary what's his face show they, they actually yeah. would send it, tape his shows and send them to howard but no, right. none of us ever had any idea of any of that you know yes <clears throat> Howard, but, but, you know, it's like a, a comic. This is an old comic, right? He's like, who cares? There's, no, but there's I, nothing new. But the, th no, the wait, point Jack, of it is, no, 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 no. I don't want to. I don't want to move on from that because it it's really, really important. Because the problem with that is, I I agree with you. Like when I was coming up, I would listen to shows from all over the country. I would try to hear what this guy's doing and that guy's doing, and the difference. And you're a musician too. You know, you get influenced by a lot of uh, other people, and then you have to make it your own. But the thing with Howard is that he accused everybody of ripping him off when the, when the fact was he absolutely took from other DJs. The, the greatest the greatest defense is a good offense. Of you know, course. My, friend, my friend Dennis Blair, a few years before I was even on the Howard Stern show, he went on the Mark Simone show, and he did a he was on actually one of the contestants on the Simone phone, right? Which became dial a date right by, and by anybody's account that was howard's invention which there certainly wasn't but mark simone didn't care he wasn't gonna stand up and say hey hey you know you don't you don't care right you know but that and that's as blatant as it could be you know well he should have cared because howard was making millions and simone you know these uh, guys simone's you know, simone did all right I to sell everybody. I get along great with that guy anything in that uh joke land that you haven't shown me that you could show the people really fast <clears throat> Okay, here's something that we never did on the show. I guess this was when Howard was still feuding with Rosie. Okay. This is uh, rain, raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> I get it. I, I found this somewhere. All right. People just stare at Rosie's head. That's just because, like her, it's huge and overfed. <laughs> so damn big and fat. Those people just stare at Rosie's head. They keep staring. 
So I just did me some puking on my shoes. Because <laughs> Rosie just makes me bark. Her oven should blow a fuse. Working overtime. Those people keep staring at her head. They keep staring. And cries to show. It blows. It's crap all her baloney. She's so phony. She's so immense. She must weigh as much as a pony. <laughs> and we never used it. I think, I oh, think that, we're getting ready to use it. And I think he made up with her or something. <laughs> I actually, uh, I met her at Sirius. She couldn't have been nicer to me. She was, she was actually really cool. Oh, she, she started out at the Eastside Comedy Club. But my, my uh, soon-to-be ex-wife was uh, in her improv class. You know? Okay, very nice. All right, listen, Jackie, I'm going to come to your house. We're going to do steaks. Got pot for everybody. I'll make all the steaks. Pot you know, and steaks. I'll, I'll, I'll make fish for the people that uh, play that game, you know. Boy, I, just want, I just need some friends out here, that's all. Are you one of those guys that eats bluefish? I love bluefish. No, no one loves bluefish. You just got to put mayonnaise in it and bake it, and the mayonnaise sucks out all the fish, and it's... You put lemon on it, it's fantastic. I like my fish, but bluefish, and Long Island's known for the bluefish. That's why I'm bringing- I will make you a bluefish, and you will love it. God. Yeah, well, if you're drowning it in mayonnaise, of course it'll taste good. No, the mayonnaise is gone. The mayonnaise evaporates. It's just like putting uh, rum on a, on a, on a cheesecake, right. you know. So maybe I can't go there next week because you got to give me a week to catch a striped bass and we'll throw the striped bass on your grill. Oh, that's great. So anytime I, I'm here way more than I should be. I answer all my email if you want to complain or ask anything. Jokeland at AOL.com. J-O-K-E-L-A-N-D at AOL.com. I got so many jokes on TikTok. Yeah, you do. And it's TikTok.com slash at Jackie Martling. I don't know why it's set up like that, but it just what? is. Two guys are on the boardwalk in Atlantic City looking out over the ocean, and they're smoking a joint. The first guy says, man, look at all that water, man. The other guy says, yeah, and that's just the top. <laughs> now, see, that was for 420. That's a hippie joke. I get it. It's a pot smoking joke. I truly enjoy your TikTok. I enjoy you, my friend. And uh, I'm going to come up and see you. We're going to do the steaks. We're going to do the pot podcast. You're going to uh, you're going to you're going to uh, talk me. Well, you're going to talk me through the whole thing because I think I really want to try to do this. And it's it's so easy. And you'll you'll have fun. All right. And quickly plug the uh, the brokerage, and then I got to go. I got to make dinner. Uh, 7 p.m. Saturday night, April 30th, at the brokerage on Merrick Road in Belmore. It's Peter Bales and me, and it'll be great, great fun. And uh, I also tweet jokes every day, 4.20 p.m., International Marijuana Time. Yeah. All right. I, uh, I'm going to bring a party to your house very, very soon. You can't bring too many people to my house. I know. There's, no such, there's no such thing as too many people. Last time I was there, I'm like, who are all these people? They just stopped by. No, they're they're all characters. You know, it's like the old Andy Griffith show. Go away. Go away. I know you got to go before you fall off the building. All right. I'll see you soon, Jackie. Thank you, buddy. Hey, I appreciate this. I appreciate the plugs and the fun. And uh, get out of here. See you later. goes up to the pharmacist and says, I need to buy some cyanide to kill my husband. He says, lady, I can't sell you cyanide to kill your husband. You'll go to jail. I'll go to jail. You're crazy. She reaches in her purse, pulls out a picture, hands it to the pharmacist. It's a picture of her husband in bed with the pharmacist's wife. He says, you didn't tell me you had a prescription. <laughs>